You know what the name of his show was called? Renewing Your Mind. Renewing Your Mind. And man, he was big time in showing me who God was. Literally, I went to go uh, seminary. I didn't even train that thing. And you could, yeah, I can tell. But I'm going to tell you, their seminaries are important. They're great. They're useful. They're wonderful. But are they necessary? I'm telling you, if God calls you, God empowers you, God teaches you, no, you don't, you don't need it. But once again, if you are called, it's smart to go there. It's smart, it's smart to be used. It's smart to learn the right way because you can't go about this in your own strength. You have to be guided and led. And this guy led me. He led me. He was at 1030 Monday through Friday. And you know, the thing that he taught me about more than anything else was God's holiness. And I talk about God's holiness. The thing that is the motivator, the great motivator in my life, the great power in my life is the, is the sight of God's holiness. And when we think of God's holiness, can I tell you something? You and me being human beings have no understanding, none. As much as we want to believe we do, we have nothing we can correlate it to. So you can't understand it unless he shows it. But once he shows it, you can't forget it. There's a great song from a, a, a worship team called Hit Song. Wouldn't recommend you listen to their teaching because it's not the gospel we have here. And we're told if anyone gives you a gospel other than this gospel, let them be damned to hell forever. That is not the same gospel. And I'll say it every time. I don't care if I get into a debate or an argument. Not an argument, but a debate. It puts people to death. But that music, somehow God is obedient. And it's said in one of these songs, the glory of God is not something you can walk away from and pretend like you didn't see it. And anyone who's met him, anyone who knows him, anyone who's been approached by him, anyone who's had their eyes open, you walk away and you try because I've tried. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I've tried to say, hey, I know I can have you here, but I'd still like to go over here when I want to. Right? And when I go over there, I might even have this thing in my hand or kind of walk around it and desire it and go, man, this really looks great. But that knowledge, that eyesight, that vision, it just doesn't go away. And after a while, you're like, I got to go. You know, one of the things that I want to remind people, and this is completely different, is, you know, I said this from the beginning. There's a, a great group of Christians who think, well, I could be a follower of Christ and not have really anything other than what I want from the church. And I say, where did you hear that? Because that's not here. There's nothing in here that tells me that this is even remotely true. That's a lie someone's told you, and you believe because you want it. The truth of the matter is, apart from the church, I am a body part that is thrown into the quarter. I may be saved, but I am not useful in knowing exactly what I've been saved to or for. Does that make sense? I come here because the same reason I go home at the end of my workday. You know why I go home at the end of my workday? Because I live there. It's where my family's at. Where should you be on a Sunday? Here. Why? There's a million other things to do. So this is where your family is at. This is where you find them. This is where you see them. This is where you connect with them. We have many other opportunities for us to connect. That's one of the beautiful things about this. So anyways, one time, 
listening to Sproul because, man, he just grabbed me, grabbed me, grabbed me, grabbed me, grabbed me. He started to give a nine-part section, a nine-part lecture on the holiness of God. And after he was done with it, he posed this question. So now what? And I thought to myself, that's the craziest thing he'll ever say out loud. So now what? What is that supposed to mean? But as I thought about it, the weight of that question became real heavy on me. Let me explain something to you. Let me give you this. If you want to write it down, write it down. If not, don't. The only way that you know information has any value is this. If once you know the information, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you have to act upon it. See, God's not just interested in showing up, open up our eyes so we can go, wow, you're cool. Man, you are awesome. This is amazing. And then we could go back and go, wow, I was just blown away. Man, he made my heart flutter. It only becomes valuable that once I see his glory, see his beauty, I realize beyond a shadow of a doubt, something needs to be done. I need to make decisions on a regular minute-to-minute basis. Does that make sense? And that's what happened in my life over and over. And can I tell you something? For as long as I've been with him, it's the same way. It's never changed. Never changed. One of the things I thought of this morning was, man, there is an endless treasury for us to have in Christ. But each time you move forward, it costs another thing that you have to strip off. You just gotta be, something's got to be on it. So he's like, hey, if you're comfortable with this, I guess you can have it. But when you realize that there's all this after that, there's going to come a time where you're going to go, wow. you shouldn't say that over there but i i'm not the common pastor right it's stupid that's why there will be tears at the bema seat people will look back and they will go wow i really settled for far less than i could have had so let's keep moving forward after he said this he gave me two words that i'll never forget quorum deo what does quorum deo mean it's a latin word whoa latin word it means this that I would live my life before the watching eye of God. That's the sum total of the Christian life. Without telling me steps of holiness or what I needed to do next, he never gave those. Those teachers never told me, well, if you want to do this, or if you want to get there, you got to do this, 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 and this. If you want to grow this way, you got to grow this, this. Man, they never did any of that stuff. You know why? God, in his infinite wisdom, knew that I distrusted teachers. I'm just being honest. I distrusted them. When they talked to me in school, I was like, blah, 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 blah. Don't want to hear nothing you got to offer me. When I heard them teachers tell me, you need to do this, this, and this, the first thing that popped into my mind is, why? Well, these guys never told me what I needed to do. You know what they told me? Why I should want to do it. And they showed me God, and when I saw God, I immediately, intrinsically understood God, we're going to look at a couple different things um, about giving that really kind of blow the norm, that makes it different than just religion today. So all I want to say is this. If I were to live Coram Dale, that means this, like my friend Mitch used to say, that you and I, as followers of Christ, children of Christ, born again of the Holy Spirit, live our lives for an audience of one. The first time I was preaching, man, I was so nervous i had a huge pimple that grew up like in 10 minutes as i was sleeping and i'm like this puppy's got like lights on it 
because I saw the glory, and I'm like, man, you came so unspeakable. And sometimes I could see people sleeping. And I was like, no, 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 I got to start shouting more. Shut this guy up. Well, I couldn't shut up. Why? Because the blinking light wouldn't let me shut up. You know what I mean? So my friend said to me, nobody, I was hoping people would come to get you to make that comment. You'd wake up. Nobody, they walked away this guy. Oh, he never preaches again. Sadly enough, strangely enough, God wanted me to preach again. So I want to preach in like almost every other month. They're like, what the heck is the deal with this guy? But anyway, nobody came up to me except my friend Nick. Nick came to me and said, how do you feel? I go, I feel like people just didn't want to hear it. And he goes, really? Can I tell you something? Yes. And I go, but can I tell you something? He goes, you live for an audience of one. Every time you get up here, every time you do whatever you do, whether you're standing in the front, whether you're in that booth, whether you're up here, it's not for you or for me. It's for him. Always him. And you know what? I have to be true to him because if I'm true to you, I'll sell myself out to get you. But I can't sell myself out to get him. He's already given himself to me. All he wants me to do is to be faithful to show what he's shown me. All right, let's keep moving forward. I want you to think about this statement. So Jesus is in the temple, yes? He's watching everything that goes on. Let me ask you this question. Do you think anyone in that temple that morning was living Korob Dale? Do you think anyone in that temple, the thousands of people around, anybody who brought those things, they believe God was there. Yes, they believe God was present. But do you think for a minute they thought that Jesus was as near to them as this? Because Jesus, their creator, was sitting in their midst watching them but he don't watch us that i watch you i look and i go yeah you're pretty you're good great people he looks in past this into the soul he sees things that we sometimes don't even like to look at about ourselves here's the god who created you who knows you who looks into your soul and knows what you do and why you do it do you think any of those people knew and can I tell you something? You know why I think not many, if any, thought that way? Because we're human. Every one of us are human. Sometimes I come in here excited, but do I think that Jesus is watching me? Sometimes no. I have to be reminded of it. That's why we need each other. I seriously doubt that they would have ever imagined that God was in that temple that afternoon. So I think this is our first point. If you want to grow to be a good giver, remember God's nearness. He's not just watching. He's not just observing. He's not just in some celestial tower. He is in our midst. He is close to us, closer than our own skin. If you've been born, grabbed, picked, chosen, redeemed, you and him live together. He is watching you. He knows you. He knows the words that are going to come from your lips before you even know the words to formulate. This is a God who is intensely aware of you. Why? And we're going to look at that, and I don't want to blow it, uh, give, you, give you too much. But I, want you to read, I want to read a scripture for you, and I want you to listen to it because it's beautiful. This is David. 
David has written this psalm, and he's written it at the end of his life. He's kind of looking back. His greatest psalms were always written from the rearview mirror. Isn't that sometimes true of life? You can see things so much better than when you're in the midst of it. Sometimes you're in the midst of it, and you're like, wow, it's kind of crazy. I didn't understand. And, I, and then 10 years later, you look back, and you're like, David saw God's work in his life in the rearview mirror. It's a beautiful psalm, Psalms 139. But he says this, You, O Lord, have placed your hand of blessing upon my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too great for me to truly comprehend or understand. I have never escaped from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down into the grave, you're also there. If I ride on the wings of the dawn, or if I try to run away to the farthest ocean shores, even there your hand guides me. Your strength, it supports me. If I even ask the darkness to hide me and light to become night around me, even darkness hides me, for it is your soul to me. Nowhere you can go. David was looking at his life, and you know what? Can I tell you something? David, as a guy after God's own heart, had a real sketchy history. Man, I love it. You know, he's the guy after guys. He was going to kill 240 men and kids because one guy disrespected him, and he was able to do it. This guy was an arch gangster. I'm telling you, when he wanted his best friend's wife, took her, terminated her, and when he wouldn't follow in, he tr plotted to kill him and did it. This dude had some issues. But can I tell you something? Picked and chosen by God. And you know what? He saw the glory of God. And even when he was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing, man, that vision would come back. And he would always inevitably come back and go, why did I do this? Why do I keep buying into lies? Why don't I just trust? Man, I'm telling you, there's two ways to look at this verse as I wrote it down. First is this, if you're desiring to come here so that you can enter into a quid pro quo relationship with the Lord, stop doing it. You know what quid pro quo is? It's religion. I do in order to get. Or I do it because I'm afraid if I don't do it, he's going to stop. Don't do that. Don't give anything. Don't serve in any way. Just keep coming and just keep listening. We want you here. Never going to turn down or close the door. So you just keep coming. Because I don't know when God's going to open up your eyes, but your eyes are not open. That is not what God wants. That is not salvation. That is religion. That is what most of Israel had. They knew God. But yet they still just were fleshly religious people. And you know what? There's an, there's an attractiveness of religion. You know, it's a 50-50 proposition. I think in any church, there's at least 50% of the people at any given time that are coming in order to keep what they have or to get better, or they want God to fix. Can I tell you something? Don't limit it. Don't limit it. Because what you think you need is far less than you really need. All right? This scripture is scary. It tells me that there is no hiding place from God. There is no pretenses. I can preach. I can confess. I can write books. I can get degrees. And in the end, I'll try to offer them, and they'll go, what's that? 
Well, he did it for you. Uh, he didn't do it for me. I don't even know you. That's what it says in the seventh chapter of Matthew. Paul, after years and years of accumulating all these things, he sees God, and the first thing that comes from his mouth is, who are you? Who are you? No, Jesus didn't say it. Paul said it. He said, I don't even know you. Someone who knew Paul goes, what are you talking about? You've known since you were five years old. He's like, I, I, I thought I did. I, but I know you didn't. Man, but God knew Paul. God knew Paul. And once that happened, things happened in Paul's life. Can I tell you something? Just like I told Mark, nobody's influenced my life as more than Jesus. But do you know who the second guy is? That guy, Paul. And that's 2,000 years later. People are still studying this guy's work. He's still affecting lives. Why? Because he has been called into the great, glorious purpose of a God who is infinitely bigger and more beautiful than you and I could ever grasp in our natural selves. Man, I don't want kids to go, oh, I'm going to church. Oh, I'm learning verses. Oh, I go to youth group. Oh, I'm involved in ministry. All great stuff. I want them to go, I saw Jesus. I want him to say, I saw him. I heard his voice. I know he loves me. I know when he came, he lived for me. And when he died, he died for me. You know why? Because not even the devil can convince you that's a lie. Once you know that's true, it's burned into your brain. I want it. I want it. And you know what else? I want you to want it. I want you to want it so much, you're willing to do what it takes. The other way we could look at this is that if you are born... Of the Spirit, you are saved by Christ. This verse has an incredible parental nature to it. When he has picked you, it tells you that he has created you. Rain or shine, sickness or health, good times, bad times, obedience or rebellion. Remember when he said, if I were to run away and ask the night to hide me, that means he's deliberately choosing to hide his hand from God. So that God would fail to do his work. It's incredible. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it should encourage us like nothing else. It means that he chases us down even if we attempt to run away. You know what David is doing? He's talking about a love that is invaluable. It goes beyond estimation. There's no price tag to what Christ has done. And when you know that, everything now comes into play. There's nothing off the table. And I know it's a process, but he's after it. To tell you the truth, sometimes I wrestle with him. I'm like, hey, how much is enough? And he always says, without bat and eye, I want it all. And he goes, I don't want to give it up. He goes, I don't care. I'm going to give it up. Whether you let it go or not, I'll rip it from your hands. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. God tells me, just like a father, a loving father would tell me, I don't care. If you want to do it this way, I'll break your legs and I'll bring you where I want you to go. That's what it means in Psalm 23. You think it's all real nice? Yeah, it's about that sheep that keeps going down by the bear's den. He's like, all right, I'm going to snap your legs and put you on my shoulder, and I'm going to fix them, and then by the time you finally get healthy, you'll never go back over there. That's what it means. God's love is serious and determined. But I'm telling you, if you never learn to know, if you never fear him, 
storm has not been stirred. And we repent and we look for a million ways to try to find a suitable husband, break her own to plus 300 hours. You know, now they've got these giant companies that are like, we can give you this smell for $35. And then you get it, you're like, that doesn't smell like that. Yeah, man. Jesus is like, your love is like you love me enough that when I call you home, you are going to be in my home. And you know what we do? Because it is costly, we look for the challenging stuff. Sometimes. Sometimes we do. We look, we look in the eyes of other people. We look in the arms of other people. We look in what monetary things can offer us, give us security that only our jobs can offer us until they turn their backs on us. Just saying. All right, so here's what, what, what you need to know. It is from the heart. It is from the heart. The heart produces generosity. So your heart must grow deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. Let's look at the widow. The widow is most living, most likely living, I believe, on a fixed income. She is living, she is giving what is, I believe, easily half of her monthly allotment. That's a lot. I thought to myself as I was reading it, kind of contemplating, I'm like, why? Why would she do that? Why does she have the, and I think her age had a lot to do with it. You know, sometimes when you get older, the things that you think you need when you're 20, you know, become 70, and you're like, eh. You know what I mean? Like me, I, I, I'm, I'm turning, God bless you, 58, I'm turning 58. Me, I had to eat. You know, I don't know why it is, man. I just had to always have more. So if it was one was good, I needed two. So I needed not only to buy one entree, I wanted another one for later. I'm like, what's the problem, dude? You act like you grew up poor. And I did kind of grow up poor. But not really poor. I mean, there's poor people. We were just told what you can eat and what you can't eat, and we were limited. But now I realize, you know, no, I could share a meal. Something strange happened, and I think that this is something that happened in that woman's life. I think after so many years, she started to look at life, and she was like, you know, I thought at one time this was valuable, but now I think it really isn't valuable. But, you know, here's the thing. We're not supposed to die as Christians to anything that's valuable. We're just supposed to die to things that look like they're valuable for things that are eternal. Because that's the only thing that is valuable. Paul says, don't look at the things that you can see thinking that's the most important. Look to the unseen because this is the most important. Jesus, perfect example. Why do you think God sent him in the form of a peasant without a family name? Why? So that everyone who was looking for world could offer what man could do would look at him and say i don't want this guy i'll follow that guy look at him he's fabulous but this guy man they didn't know they didn't know because they didn't want to see so i believe this woman was able to give half of what her monthly allotment was because she could see the gold you want to be a good giver look at the gold look at the gold think of where god is taking you Think of what you're going to be used to bring about. You know, many people don't want to give in any way, shape, or form. Time, talents, and treasures. Why? I got my own life. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. We're busy. This is a busy place. Everyone says, oh, we're all so rich here. Not really. Many times we're just working so that we can keep up. I'm just telling the truth. But you know what, though, he's telling us? I want you to trust that I'll make all this work if you let me use 
okay? Most likely, her children have now gone away. They've gotten their own family. They're now consumed with their jobs. Is this bad? No, it's just life. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Don't live for your kids. Ladies, ladies, don't live for them. They'll break your heart. You weren't made for your kids. You were made for your kids, not for them. Does that make sense? They were not made so that you could be filled. No, no, no. You were God's instrument for them. Focus on him and you'll love them better. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just life. Her husband has been gone probably for a long time. So this lady is no longer consumed by the needs that eventually get thrown away. You want to be a good giver? Remember, everything ends up in the end. Everything. Does the garbage man? I see it all. Let's look at the ones that bring the larger gifts. Well, it says, Jesus says that they gave from their excess and their prosperity. Was this not a good gift? Did God say, I don't want it? No, I don't think he's saying that at all. He's just valuing the one as opposed to the other. And he's saying, this is a greater gift than that. Didn't say that one was bad. He's just saying, I think this one, he doesn't say I think. He goes, I know this one is better. And I think to myself, well, what is he telling us in that? I believe he's telling me this. And I believe he's saying this. These people can only give because they have this. You know what that tells me? That they've been enslaved to false security. They've become enslaved to false comfort. Their money offers them an idolatrous power. They're only able to give a portion of their overflow. You know what that means? Their possessions own them more than they own their possessions. Don't slave yourself. Jesus wants us out of that. She was giving to her treasure. It was an offering of love. It was an offering of appraisement. It was like she was looking at her relationship with God and going, this is the most important thing. God, help me. I didn't think it would be that important. important i'm going to tell you this right now any way you want to cut it you know the scripture that that's a test that is absolutely crucial you will know what you love by what you invest you can say what you want but that one always tells the truth always she was giving toward what was most valuable the others they were giving from their treasure one was giving to the others were giving from the problem with giving your heart to things that could be lost or taken, if they become lost or taken, and eventually they will be, you become bankrupt. You become heartbroken, and in the end, you will find out that you have invested into a Ponzi scheme that will not pay off. Got to live like that. Want to be a follower of Christ? Want to hear the truth? Live by the truth? Be freed from the truth? You got to get it. Does God say, I love poor people more than rich people? No. Does God say good people are poor? No. Does God say if you don't give, I won't love you? No. He's just saying I want you to be free. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. 
All right, so what do we, how do we do this? I got a few minutes. Okay, I got six points, and I'm not preaching on them, trust me. I'm going to give you these bullet points. Six points on how we can grow in our giving. First of all, we must give from a place of joy. What is joy? For me to give from joy, I got to know what joy is. Joy is not in circumstances. It's not in what I can have and what I can produce. Joy is from a vision that's been given to us by the Spirit. That means with spiritual God-given eyes, I can look beyond what's here toward what will eventually be. That means I can get that eventually the one who started the good work will make everything right. He will fix it. In the end, we will look back with him and we'll go, whoa, I never thought that was going to happen. Listen to what he says in the book of Ephesians. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who have been called by him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. He uses it all for great and awesome things. I must give from a place of joy. So if I'm going to give from a place of joy, that means I cannot let my circumstances affect my joy. If you're writing, write that one down. Don't let your circumstances affect your joy. What does that mean? That means whether I have much or whether I have little, my generosity is not based on that. It's based on my control. Oh, wait. That's costly. Told you. I told you. I'm not going to lie to you ever. You may walk out, and I wish you don't, but I ain't never lie to you. Our treasure is not in a possession, nor is it in a place. Our treasure is found in a person. And you know what Peter tells me? That person and that relationship is untouchable. It cannot fade. It cannot fail. It cannot be taken from me. So give to your treasure. Give from your joy. Trust that when you give of your fruits that he's provided for you, that he's going to use it for his perfect ends, whether I have much or whether I have little. And if you don't trust the leadership that you're giving it to, go find other leaders you can trust. Don't give it to a man. Give it to Christ. And I'm telling you, if you do this, he will not let you down. He will not let you down. Listen to this. It's in Psalm 23. Remember, the Lord, he's my shepherd. Why? Because I, I, the Lord is my shepherd. Because that is true, I have all that I need. He's the one that makes me lie down in green pastures. He's the one that leads me beside still waters. He's the one that leads me down right paths. Why? Because this is who he is. That's what it means when it says, for his namesake. He's like, hey, you're expecting me to do good? Yeah, you should, because that's who I am. When we give, we're giving to that God who does good. Never does he does wrong. He doesn't figure things out. He doesn't go, well, I think or I'll try. He does. And you know what? I trust that God because he's proven himself over and over to me. We give from a place of joy. We give from a place of confidence. We always look at that scripture and we think about death, right? Strangely enough, it was never about death. It was about life. I thought they were coming up. I was like, oh, no, they're coming for me. Get them off, get them off. All right, here we go. Let's look at a couple quick ones. God desires for our giving to be birthed from love. And if we love, we sacrifice. There's no error in that. Love sacrifices. If I love, sacrifice a lot, that means I love a lot. If I sacrifice a little, 
That means I love them. I know we want to say, no, 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 that's not true, that's not true. Yes, it is. It's absolutely true. And can I tell you something? When I look at the cross, I don't see a whole lot of love. That's a whole lot of love for me. That's a whole lot of love for his father. So much love that it's unparalleled and uncomparable. So much, so great is that love. He tells me clearly that I can't understand what love or enjoy love until I understand that love. You don't know what love is. It's not defined by you or me. It's defined by what he says and what he does to you. That's what love is. That's what John tells me. Man, it goes crazy. Man, this is powerful stuff. You want to be a giver? You've got to let God produce it out of love. Love sacrifices. Sacrifice frees me. It enriches me. It's like this counter-truth. Well, if I give away, then I won't have. Okay, fine, you won't have in this area, but you'll have in this area, and this area will be way over that. If you think that somehow he's just going to let you die and live in the streets, does it even make sense? You know how many times I do that to God? Why did you take me this far to just drop me? And he's like, what? Why would I even have grabbed you to begin with? I don't let you die where you were. A dog in the gutter. And that's what I was. True generosity and giving is not aimed at my offering. It's aimed at my release. Remember this. Remember in, 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 in Exodus, what did God tell Egypt? Tell my people to go. Let my people go so that they will eat the wilderness for what? So that they could worship me. This is my belief. Israel was partnering with Egypt for that long time. And then as this partnership with Egypt became fragrant, and it was an endless taskmaster, and God said, I want my people to be freed from the taskmaster so that they can go and worship me. When we give what God wants us, when it's an offering of love, he wants us to fill our souls. Think about that early ministry. You thought she was going to leave us and come clean to you. She realized she needed receiving. That's not loving. That's a love heart that she wouldn't give. She didn't just give because she was hoping for a great reward. She already had the reward. She'd been giving it to her reward. Not for it. Does that make sense to everybody? Let's keep moving forward because we got a little bit. God wants us to give supernaturally. Okay, what does that mean? Salvation isn't just about what is produced. It's about what causes the production. If it's just about what you do or what you can offer, then you know what it is? Another form of Judaism. We're not here to be Jews. I love them. They're great. They're, and I owe them everything. I love them, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm called to live, follow the living God. I'm called to live in a different way. I'm not called to do things for God. I'm called to offer things to God. You know why? Because he's given everything to me. Man, how do you do that? You must cultivate an intimate relationship with God. Listen to what it says in John chapter 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you. Those are intimate words. Do you believe you can have intimacy with God? You can and I'm going to tell you, it's hard. It's hard because there's always something chirping in your ear. There's always something fluttering around your eyesight. To get, you always got another thing to go, somewhere to run. You got to say no, 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 no. I'm telling you, 
I'm going here. That's why life group's so important. Sunday morning, so important. Don't just come and go. He says this, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, brother, you do nothing. If you cultivate a great personal relationship with him, you will find incredible joy in giving. Your life will be used, and you will know it as a fragrant offering. Your life will be used. You will live with a power and confidence that he is using you to effect a change that will carry into eternity. You couldn't stop Paul. You know why? He knew whatever he gave, God was going to use to the end of time. Do you believe that? Do you live like you believe it? Because you can say you believe it, but you've got to live like you believe it. Because if you live like it, can I tell you something? You won't have to say it. People will go, oh, no, that person obviously lives like he believes it to be true. All right, here, three more. <laughs> three more. <laughs> That's good. All right, going to be quick on this. God wants us to give willingly. Do you know what that means? He doesn't want me to get sick. If I'm guilt-tripping you, don't listen to me. Don't, I'm not guilt-tripping you in the net. I don't want your money. It don't matter to me. Keep it in your pocket. I don't want it. Don't be guilt-tripping. Don't do it because it's on a church covenant or you're doing it in hopes that somehow God will give you something. Do it because you want to do it. It is an offering of love, period. Don't be, don't be compelled. Don't, don't do it. Absolutely keep it for as long as you want. Don't ever give it. I don't care. Here, give eagerly. God wants us to give eagerly. You know what I've learned about eager givers? They're always looking for ways to give more. You know why? Because they have long-range vision. They see beyond the immediate. They can see past stadium field that look pretty. They understand the difference between what's good and what's best. They've learned contentment. Do you have contentment? I bet you any money. If this is power in your life, you don't. Come on, Sister Irene. winning the struggle, man. He's winning it. He's winning it. They learn to be good estimators of what's truly valuable. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. God wants us to give personally. Here's it. That means this is a gift from you to Jesus. It is not an obligation. It is not a ritual. It is not a promise. Don't do it last minute. Literally do it like you're going to walk up to him on the street and go, been in front of my face ten years ago. I've been looking up to you. I want you to do it for me. Maybe not just now, but I want you to think of me. I want you to think of me. You believe you believe me. Oh no no no. Do the best thing for you can. Make another thing. Take it off. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it off. Take it off for you. Take it off for you. You do that. You will receive more from giving than anything you've given. I guarantee it. I want you to show these two things, last things. Uh, show the pictures up there. This is an artist's rendition of the temple. Was it impressive or what? It was impressive. And this is probably very, very true to life. It was impressive. When you walked around it, you were like, wow, this is amazing. Can I tell you something? For the Jew who was interested in God and the world, this was the pinnacle. It was the core of their strength. They're like, man, this is 
forever. Even Rome can't affect this. This is like, man, this is our claim to fame. You know what Jesus said? Not one of these stones that people put their trust in can stand upon another. Show me the next picture. You know how it got tore down? When they rejected Jesus, the wrath of the Lamb came. He said, because you will not find the grave of your vindication, now your eyes will not be ever seen. That's a scary word, folks. Because you won't, now you can't. And what happened? When they first came in, they killed 2.1 million Jews. 80,000 Jews killed each other in a civil war before the fight. And then somehow a rumor got out that the Jews were hiding gold in the bricks. So they started pulling down one brick after another. They even destroyed the floor. old lady she's invested in a city that cannot be built with human hands so for her it's to her treasure her love the one who loves her better than anyone else and here's the best part about the love of jesus not like the love of human beings never goes away never never can be taken and you know what strangely enough when that love grabs hold of you i can love people better differently i really can as opposed to loving what's here and now see we all love god but there's this little thing inside of us that wants God and So just remember that. Let's stand up and worship. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for that great message. Give it up for Pastor Tom for that message, Jack. Absolutely. Praise God. And my prayer is that those wouldn't just be words that you heard, but stuff that you would...